Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. It was day three of the French Open today, and after two days deservedly dominated by the Naomi Osaka withdrawal discussion, which has become honestly like one of the biggest sort of worldwide tennis stories during my whole career in terms of the reach of this thing. Today, I'm happy to bring you an actually tennis tournament-driven interview I did with one of the round one winners. I talked with Riley Opelka after his victory over Andre Martin in the first round on Monday in fairly routine straight sets. Opelka, who made some Team USA news in his press conference before recording this by saying he won't be playing the Olympics in Tokyo, is an interesting and different sort of athlete. A guy who refreshes and revitalizes himself by going to art galleries during his spare time. He traveled actually from Geneva to Antwerp before going to Paris to spend some time at an art gallery there. And besides from his off-court interests, he's also very relevant on-court, playing very well lately after a slump, including reaching the semifinals of the Italian Open in Rome in May. He does it all by playing something resembling anti-tennis, as he admits, and his goal is to make opponents feel like they're playing <laughs> against someone who can't play tennis, as he describes it here. Opelka could play Daniil Medvedev in the third round, and I should amend that I undersold Opelka's record against Medvedev during our draw show, forgetting that Opelka had actually beaten Medvedev in St. Petersburg last year, and it's one and two with two tight losses. So he could very much prove to be a factor on the bottom half of the men's draw, which is the open place to be in this tournament. This is a relatively short chat as compared to most of our interviews, but as many mid-tournament interviews are, it's a little bit on the short side because there are other people using the room and press obligations and whatnot, but I think that Riley had a bunch of interesting things to say in this brief chat about technique improvements, about art, playing on small courts, gambling, and, made most interesting to a lot of fans, his frequent practice and recent Roman Museum's partner, Venus Williams. Here's Riley. You were out on court 13 today, which one of the smaller courts, at, you know, just in terms of dimensions. I'm wondering, yeah. just watching you on it, I feel like you have to like that as a, as a big server, right? That there's not a lot of room for him to, especially for your wide serves and stuff like that. How much of an advantage is that when you see that? Because yeah. there's a huge range of sizes of courts at, at Roland Garros. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Um, it's a great observation. It's, you know, not something the... I guess the average, you know, tennis fan will know, you know, so it's a, it's a good question, but, but it, it is, it, it's nice for me to be on those courts against certain guys. Um, you know, I, I, he's a, a guy that likes to go, go back and, and go to the fence. He, he needs time. And, um, and yeah, you're right. It, it limits him. It puts him at a certain, there's, there's only so far back you can go. I, I'm sure he would have been comfortable with three or four more feet, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was nice being, being on that court and, I, I like those courts just in general, even if they were bigger, they're just kind of more intimate. It's a, it's, it's a cooler, it's a more fun, fun kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. And that was one of the a pretty decent sized crowd out there too, for that kind yeah, of court. Yeah. It yeah. was for, I was surprised. I mean, it was, it was great. It's so, so much fun having, having people back um, and, uh, you know, spectators just being, being energetic, watching, feeling comfortable. And, you know, even on the court next to me, like, you know, I wasn't used to it today. It was definitely one of the loudest uh, where you have a court here and I'm playing next to uh, Carlos Alcaraz and, and the other Spanish guys, kind of like a popcorn match as well. And mm -hmm. they were grunting. There's a lot of noise. <laughs> on that um, and uh, yeah, it was fun. I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not complaining about it. I like, I liked seeing that for the first time, maybe in like, 
maybe two years ago, I would have, I would have had a different attitude about it, but now yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you missed it, I guess. You you said in one of your answers during the press, you said, I had to play a lot of tennis today, which I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, which you sort of said a bit of sort of disappointment or frustration, I guess. I mean, so how actively, obviously, you meant in terms of like rallies and stuff like that, because yeah, yeah. it was not a long match on the scoreboard, you know, in terms of scoreline or anything. But so how much are you actively trying to like make it, I guess, whatever the opposite of that is, you know, like anti-tennis or something when you're when you're out there against a guy like Martin, especially probably. Yeah, especially against a clay court. I want him. I want him miserable. I want him saying this isn't tennis. I want him looking at his coach saying, "This guy sucks. He's just got serve. It's miserable. I hate my life out here." That's the uh, when things are smooth sailing. That's what you want, you know. But when they're not, there's only one other way to win, and uh, it can't always be that way. So you know, it's it's kind of knowing. Like from my standpoint, I have to. It's a fine line of like, like when things are firing, like which way to which route to kind of take sometimes guys can get comfortable um and and you know you just don't want that so it's uh it's kind of like um you kind of have to it's a it's an instinct you have to kind of go by to mm-hmm. change but luckily with three out of five sets you have so much time to um for the match to go so many different directions and, and so many different ways so you, there's there's room for things to change I don't think I've been on one of these sort of Zoom type things with you since uh, Cincinnati or in New York, which yeah. you came out of the you came out of the box firing at that tournament there, and then I've had some, you know, good win over Medvedev in St. Petersburg, but otherwise I've had some sort of tougher streaks. I mean, what's what's been the challenge of uh, sustaining momentum? And obviously, you had a huge run in, in Rome most recently. Yeah. But, but what has been the challenge of sort of keeping up momentum during this this weird time? My my foreign my foreign regressed a lot. Um, hmm. I, I I practiced a lot. In COVID, I really did. I trained pretty hard, I thought, but technically I got behind um, some some flaws with my game, and and we addressed them. and 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 it took me a while. I mean, we addre- I addressed them pretty early. We we actually started working on it in the off season. It's kind of a matter of trial and error. What I thought was the right answer wasn't, and vice versa. It's kind of going back and forth. And and I I really am so confident that that I made so many big improvements on it. And and um, actually in Rome, right after Madrid, I flew. To Rome, got there early and just worked. You know, I put in. Me and my coach were hours on the courts, um, and just just finding some different things, trying a bunch of different things, and and something clicked, and and I've I've held on to it. I mean, I even um, wrote down what what was going through my mind at the time to because I really think it's a key um, adjustment to hold on to. So it was a technical thing more than anything. Tec- yeah, it was a technical yeah. thing with with my foreign in particular, yeah. which changes everything. Changes my mindset. I don't have to. I'm not going for. You know, I don't feel like I need to go for an ace on certain points because I'm I'm confident enough w- with the ball coming back that my foreign can 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 finish up the job. You know. Yeah. So that run in in Rome, how much does that give you? You know, a boost after you know being on a sort of a bit of a skid uh, before that results wise. How much does that reset yeah. your sort of mind for the rest of this season? hugely i mean you know it was, it was getting ugly there for a second yeah um but that's tennis it's there's so many ups and downs and 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 there's you know being you know with my style of play the last place you want to be with uh you know on a on a slump is is on clay you know i could mm-hmm. i could bluff some wins on on a fast hard court or grass court you know i could i could make no adjustments to my foreign and, and still serve really well volley well make some returns here and there win some tiebreakers and you know make a big run and and let's say Stuttgart or Queens, but I didn't address the issue, you know, which was my forehand. And I think that kind of, I think that actually happened a lot over the last year and a half, two years, where I think the timing of all this worked out where it was like, 
it's either like find a solution or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. And, um, I think that allowed my coach and I to be more open-minded to, to changing things that, that haven't been changed since I was 12 years old. You also in Rome, I know you went to a museum I saw with Venus Williams. I know you go to a lot of museums, probably not often with Venus Williams. I'm just curious how that, how that came about. Cause that was sort of caught my eye. Obviously known her for yeah. a long time. Yeah. I didn't, um, didn't know her as much a museum person as you necessarily maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She's, um, she lives, you know, up in, in Jupiter area and I practice, we practice up there a few times and, um, but yeah, she's, she's got a really cool art collection herself. And, hmm. and then, yeah, we were both in Rome. We were staying at the same, uh, hotel before the bubble and, and her coach and, um, and my coach are, we just kind of all been around each other for, you know, a while and we practiced together up in Florida. So yeah, we went to Borghese Museum, which was incredible, unbelievable one of the probably one of my favorites there in, in Prado Prado Museum in, in Madrid but uh yeah it's fun it's just like a common interest and, and it's it's a great way for for me at least to get my mind off of, of tennis and and not make me feel as like like my whole life revolving around training and practice and and then matches and it just allows me to have like a, an escape what was it what's she like as a practice partner when you when you've hit together Venus she's ruthless man i mean she's <laughs> she really is I've, I've learned i've learned a lot a lot from being around her especially on the practice court she's fierce fierce competitor hits the ball unbelievably well i mean she's at what stage of her career now how many slams she's still trying to get better i mean she's i mean like asking me questions on my serve and and she's also you know i've learned a lot from from her i mean she's she just she's just a real a true true competitor you mentioned in the press comments part about getting your fix at museums is sort of how you referred to it, just keeping you sort of afloat. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Like what is it about sort of getting to be around the art stuff that you like that really does help keep you afloat or, or reset things for you, get your, get your mind right. And how, what kind of benefit can you feel from that, you know, going onward? Yeah. It's one of my, you know, it's, it's, it's one of my biggest passions. I think there's so many, like, I think there's so many things that go hand in hand with art and tennis and artists and tennis, like that you can relate, correlate so many things, but, uh, but it's, it's something that when, when I was in the bubble, when they, they, it was, uh, there was nothing, nothing to it. It's, it's like, you know, hotel practice, gym, hotel, you're eating in your room, um, everything kind of revolves around tennis. I'm not a big gamer, you know, I'm, re I'm really not. I think I ran through all of Netflix on the first <laughs> lockdown. So um, I, I'm not one to spend much time on my phone, my iPad. I don't have a, a, a gaming console at all. So I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm super hyper. I mean, you might not see it now, but I'm, I can't sit still. So I like to explore. I'm super curious. I like learning and, and art going to museums and stuff it, like it especially in, in Rome I mean it's incredible but you really it's like a history lesson every time you go and you're writing down artist names you're writing down the time frame you're I mean it's you have an appreciation of like so much stuff that you know as a kid you learn about whatever years you know BC AD you don't even know what that means I didn't I didn't even try to process it until I went to the museum and huh. I'm looking at some paintings of of the Colosseum and it looks like destroyed already and it was like you know year 16 you know or 15 whatever it's like geez it's been like that for that long you just you kind of correlate so many things you learn about as a kid and, and you really like pinpoint certain eras and how old some of this stuff is it, it really is a great way for me to i guess learn and explore you were good at those staring contests though I that was, was one thing you, you at this at, the, at this in terms of sitting still 
that you that'll can do. be my <laughs> only win over demon as a professional a couple of last things i remember talking in uh cincinnati with you about ptpa which you were very much in favor of uh yeah. then. i'm just curious how it how you think it's going now at least from outside it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of progress or, or sort of de- or in terms of getting more structure or development to it what what is your sort of view from from inside the tour about how ptpa is going and where you want it to go yeah i mean it's something like this takes takes time and i know i know it's been a lot of work in progress you know i'm i've kind of uh really just focused on on my tennis and in and really just turned off of the because it is you 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 know you wrap you you get into something and you see there are flaws in our system there's there's no way anyone can deny that um that we have some serious serious issues in in our sport conflicts of interest at at highest level you know the list goes on and on um yeah lack of transparency but unfortunately i'm not i'm not i'm no genius when it comes to comes to running running business but you know and 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 sort of managing politics it's just not something i'm yeah. i'm good at or not something i want to be good at i think uh but I, I do know we do need some representation and something has to change and and i'm going to support i'm going to support anyone that can and, and i think getting the right guys in place to do it getting the guys that specialize in that getting the right the right team the right people um and I, you know we have some names in mind i think i i know some people that i think could do a good job but you know i, I think there's so many other things that have to happen you know. And then last last question from me. I know when you did an interview with, with Racket for with Gary Nathan that you talked about wanting to get some sort of more funding or cooperation with gambling companies uh, to do maybe some things at the challenger level. And I'm curious what you think of that sort of stepping into the sport more. And I, you probably watch Tennis Channel. You see how much they're doing with like DraftKings on Tennis Channel all the time now. What do you yeah. make of that? Because that's sort of a thing that, at least especially from American side, we're not as used to seeing uh, yeah. that sort of open, you know, advertising or you know, embracing of gambling. And what what do you make of that? And what do you think? I guess are players ready for that with all the sort of stigma around you know the the negative comments from social media and stuff you guys get from betters when you lose and stuff like that yeah i mean that's going to be there no matter what you know those those guys are going to be you're we're everyone's going to hear those comments but but yeah i mean i just kind of look at um kind of like the way golf the the way golf did things that they've regulated a lot of gambling i know i know like from what i've heard i know nba is i think they're going like so future forward with it Mm mm-hmm it just seems. It seems to me that that there's. It's a great opportunity. I mean, they're they're making money. The gambling companies are making money off of it. Off of it anyway. It's it's going to happen. The gambling's going to happen regardless. I think just letting the players touch more of it is is important, especially at, at the challenger level. I mean, there's just not that much money there. And and you know, I'm all for seeing a guy 200 in the world making more money. These some of these guys are so good, and they're such good guys, and they work so hard. And you'd love to see. You'd love to see them. You know have some more money in the pocket and and if it could if if that's a step that can bring more money to to that level or or any level and and give more more guys more money to to invest in themselves invest in their careers and have physios and have better quality of life you know i'm 100 all for it cool thank you very much man appreciate it so thank you very much to riley thank you all for listening and thank you for supporting ncr it's been Great getting your support. And if you want to support us, especially during the French Open, we're doing a lot of work during busy times to get all these shows see, which hopefully are interesting. Please consider supporting us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. It is our first episode of the month of June. And so as we do in the first episode of each month, we want to thank all our backers at the on tour level. And they are Jeff Augustin, Deepa Mokshagundam, Ido Pollock, Barry Wagner, Nick Sicardi, Mallory Mappas Couture. Laura Vergani, Aluko Hope, 
David Ebersoff, Ken Solomon, Kathleen Sharkey, Stephen Tidings, Danielle Hartzell, Horatio Silva, Reginald Bazile, Misa Miyagawa, Annie Kim, J.B. Wogan, Jillian Dobson, Helene DeVitt, Andrew, The Body Serve Tennis Podcast, Andrew Eccles, Steph Chow, Joy Katz, Greer Millard, Ava Marshalkova, John Fisher, Harish, Elise Panyich, Kate S., Jeremy Blackstock, Dermot Harkin, and Lori Porter. And then our Slam Champ backers, we thank every episode, Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Cannell, Jonathan Weinbaum, Sean Simeon, James Hindle, Audrey Wellens, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, and Timothy Liu, and our GOAT backers, Mike, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. That's a whole bunch of people, a lot of thanks. We're incredibly grateful for all you've done for keeping us afloat during this weird past year. It really has been, honestly, meaningful support for getting through uh, life in a, in a, in, on a tour that won't really let us tour it anymore the way we were used to, so thank you for that. Uh, we're getting close to 300 backers, which is sort of match our episode count, our official episode count. So if, if you have been on the fence about joining and want to help us push towards 300, we'd love to have you on board sometime during this month of June when there's lots of tennis happening and hopefully lots of NCRs. So thank you all once again for your support, and we'll see you next time. Bye. I looked at the Rubens and Rembrandts I liked the John Singer Sargents He told me he liked Turner Never